guys, welcome back to another episode. This episode is called The Highly Sensitive Person. Now, this has kind of been a very recent understanding. In the first episode, I did say that I was a highly sensitive child. And a lot of you guys wanted me to open up more about it. But if I'm being honest, that's all my brain had kind of understood from the situation. I just thought I was a highly sensitive child and then I grew out of it. And maybe I had a few effects, but I didn't realize there's actually this whole topic and understanding and research and and books about the effects of when you're a highly sensitive child and you're not understood and then how it basically forms you as an adult. I had a little look online just to check the kind of description of a highly sensitive child and I want to share it with you guys because I think then you're able to relate to it more. Instead of me just explaining all my situations, I can kind of give you what has been proven to be a highly sensitive person and then my experiences on top. I want you guys to know, even if you don't necessarily resonate with this as a highly sensitive person when you're growing up, you are more than likely to know someone that is, whether that's a sister, brother, you know, family member, friend, or even, you know, future child or something like that. And I think there's never a bad doing in listening and learning about more stuff. I also think I cover things that's just for the general person. Like it's not just one specific category of people. It's it's talking about emotions as a general topic. Now, going from what the internet says, The first thing it mentions is you've been called oversensitive. For me, that was just something that I was always hearing. Oh, she's oversensitive. She's highly emotional. Yeah, so if you have been called that, that's one sign. Next one is you are easily overwhelmed by your senses. Obviously, there is sight, smell, taste, touch, sound. For me personally, touch has been the biggest one. I've grown up with, even when I was... Before I could even talk, I was screaming at the fact when my mum had to put clothes on me. I hate socks. I hate everything. And the reason why I thought I grew out of my highly sensitive child phase was because I suddenly was okay to wear bras and socks and all these things that I would never normally wear. But the thing is, it didn't go away. It's just almost by constantly being told, oh, stop being so stupid. You need to wear a bra. Um, You have to wear socks with shoes you just almost learn to do it and even now like I still have you know even just my fingers whether my skin is dry my nails my teeth everything is just my my touch is definitely heightened and what was interesting is I never thought that sound affected me and it was only until I think maybe four months ago I bought noise cancelling headphones from Apple um the big airpod maxes And I put the noise cancelling on and it's definitely more like it's the most noise cancelling headphones I've ever had. And it was honestly like paradise. I have never been so relaxed and calm. I don't know how to explain it, but I never thought that sound frustrated me, whether that was a lot of sound or a lot of sound from different directions. Especially living in London, you walk down the street and you're hearing so much. And it was only until I had the headphones that I realised how much more at peace I am. And it just kind of gave me that oh, okay, there is that within you, let's be kind to it. Instead of like trying to push through or trying to make yourself uncomfortable, I think just accepting the fact that, okay, if you're sensitive, let's be kind to yourself. Like don't buy uncomfortable clothes that you don't like anymore. And that's something that I've done because as I said, when I was a teenager, 
I pushed myself to wear the uncomfortable bras that would push up with wire and all these things that made myself look girly or or looked good. And now it's like, no, this is the reason why most of the time I wear baggy clothes is because it's what's physically comfortable on myself. And it's just, it's just the general feeling of feeling overstimulated by certain senses. And it does say you don't have to have all five. Like sometimes it's just two or three of certain senses that really overstimulate you and make you feel really overwhelmed. Next one is you are easily upset by violence in the media. I can't say, like, I genuinely can't watch the news, like, or even just a movie when there's, like, I can't watch horror films or, like, loads of stabbings or just, like, not necessarily just blood, but violence. Whenever I come around to watch a movie, I am always, like, 90% of the time I'm watching a movie I've already watched just because I don't like the idea of I don't know how it's going to make me feel emotionally because some do stress me out. Like, I really do get into the films so I tend to just rewatch Spider-Man, Cinderella and any Adam Sandler film. Um, but yeah, it basically said like, you might find yourself avoiding horror movies, torture scenes, or even the news. And for me, it's all three. Um, and you might think, oh, it's selfish if I don't watch the news. I definitely have my opinion about the news. And I think they are always highlighting the negativity in the world. And I think it can actually have some sort of like filter on your day that you see more negative things. So I personally like to keep away. It doesn't mean that I'm not aware of situations around me. I think when something big is going on, you know about it. And I'm always here to help um, causes that are going on. But for me, that is something that I do avoid. The next one is avoiding stressful situations. It says highly sensitive people may structure their lives so that they can avoid stressful situations or any overwhelming situations. And it might be unconscious at first, but when you reflect, you realize that it's true. And that's just the same with me. Like there's a reason why I would necessarily avoid certain events or parties or um, gatherings because I would find that stressful, overwhelming. Then the next one is you are overwhelmed by crowds. Um, crowds make you want to withdraw or shut down immediately. It can be due to the sensory stimulation along with the emotional energy that you absorb from others. Now, those two points are a big thing. Firstly, it's the sound and a lot of people. My boyfriend knows that when I'm in a crowded situation, there's a lot going on. He like he can see that my brain is in a whirlwind. I I'm just like, I don't know where my focus should be. There's a lot of things happening and I definitely feel very easily overwhelmed and more stressed than the general person in the situation now the other thing is the emotional energy and I've talked about this with my therapist slash energy healers and when I am in a group with someone or I hang out with someone I really absorb their energy now with this for example when I meet people at events or I um yeah just or in day-to-day -day life sometimes I carry around their energy for a bit too long and it almost dampens slash drains my energy and um there's like emotional clearing stuff you can do I haven't really put all my focus into it but I think just being aware of it for example if you hang out with someone who is more depressed and on a lower level and not feeling great not saying that you can't be there and be with those people but if you are just on autopilot with them you will probably absorb their energy. Whereas what I do when I meet with friends that are struggling, I go there with a little bit of space between us, knowing that I am not them and I, I cannot fully help their situation. It's when you fully empathize and think that you have to completely help them out of this place where you absorb their, their emotional stuff. And 
the act of helping and supporting actually brings some light to it. So when I do meet those friends that are struggling, the fact that I'm helping them and listening to them and allowing them to have this safe space to talk, I am not picking up on their energies and me making myself feel worse. In fact, if anything, it's raising our energies together. Number six, you identify as deeply emotional. I I think you will be able to resonate with this one pretty easily or not. Um, For me, 100%. I think you guys know, because why would I have a podcast and, and you know my type of Instagram and YouTube? It's just who I am. I feel things. I can't help it. And I think for a long time, we have been maybe taught or said, oh, don't feel so much into that. But it's like, I I can't help if I feel like this. It says, highly sensitive people tend to have a strong connection to their emotions and other aspects of their inner life since their brains process things more intensely. If you spend a lot of time and energy contemplating or cultivating your internal world, you may be a highly sensitive person. And this comes along with, you know, all these people that struggle that say eating stuff or depression, you're really in your own mind. This is what it's talking about, the internal stuff. So I really, really resonate with this one. In fact, it's pretty much all of them. Number seven is you were called a shy child. Now, I personally don't resonate with this one at all. I wasn't a shy child, um, but this might be something that you resonate with. Um, it does say either shy or withdrawn, which I think withdrawn in some aspects, but I wouldn't necessarily say that like I was quite a extrovert introvert oh that doesn't make sense does it I I was like an extrovert at school but then at the same time very much aware and in my own head and thinking about things and then it also says like if the words shy or withdrawn haven't been used if you were just called like sensitive or you people were commenting on the fact that you were sensitive um that almost counts which you know as we've talked about something that I relate to number eight is you are overwhelmed by tasks and this is definitely me honestly I could probably have like three things on a to-do list if it's in my mind I won't be able to get anything done I go into a paralysis I don't know what to do I get stressed out I think that everything has to be done straight away um but then at the same time I do work well with lists but I have a love-hate relationship with them if I am I'm very an all-or-nothing person I am the type of person to write down every single thing on my list And some days, you know, I bang through it, I get it done, but there's always stuff on the list. And I think that's when I get in my own head because I, my expectation is that the list needs to be done. But what I've learned recently is that you're always going to have things to do. So it's better just to get the things done that are going to move the needle. And I like this term, move the needle. What's going to make you get to the next place? So for me, there's always stuff like do your washing, empty the dishwasher, um, go on a walk, film my podcast message this person reply to all your messages what's actually going to move the needle forward me recording my podcast right the other things can wait for a moment yes they have to be done but they're always going to have to be done there's always going to be more washing there's always going to be more replies but me recording my podcast and getting actual informational informational was that even a word intellectual content out that is what's moving my business forward and not even business but my my goal in life and my priority and that is to help others it also mentions that the fact that we go to great lengths to avoid making mistakes or upsetting people and this is something I'm also I'm not going to say guilty of but something I do is my brain would rather not do something at all or do something to perfection than do an imperfect task and I think this is what comes in with the eating disorder stuff when 
I was in my extreme eating and exercise routines, I had to have a perfect day. So I couldn't, a a good day couldn't be, you know, my normal eating, let's say that was restricted or super voluminous or super low calorie with a slice of pizza. That would automatically make it a bad day. In fact, we now know that is not a bad day at all. So if I had that slice of pizza, I would have to binge. I would have to eat everything because it's an all or nothing. I can't have imperfect tasks. Luckily, due to self-improvement, self-awareness and just becoming more comfortable with rest and relaxation and almost going to the extreme other end of relaxing for the whole entire day for weeks and eating whatever I want all the time, which is still what I do. But I guess it's more of that like to the extreme side. I'm now able to do both. I'm now able to be like, right, I, uh, eating one thing's not going to make it bad and eating a healthy thing's not going to make it super good. Um, it's just about doing those imperfect tasks. Now, saying that, I haven't got that figured out in all aspects of my life. For example, sometimes I procrastinate on recording a podcast because I don't think I'm in the perfect headspace to do it or whether my voice, you know, sometimes my voice gets really low because I'm I go to festivals, I don't go to festivals often, but like if I'm just talking loads or if I go out, my voice goes really low. So sometimes I don't feel like doing the podcast or sometimes, uh, you know, something isn't just right for my YouTube or I won't start my next project because, you know, I can't quite do the perfect thing or for a run. Oh no, I can't, you know, my plan says to do 10K, but I don't feel like doing 10K. So I'm not going to do a run at all. Whereas I should just do a 2K, do a two kilometer run. If that, if that's what, you know, Be okay with doing the imperfect tasks because the imperfect tasks are, that's the definition of consistency. It's doing it every day because every day isn't perfect. So there's going to be those imperfect tasks. Just a quick tip while we are talking about feeling overwhelmed by tasks, just in case I forget this. I really do think, um, for me, body doubling has always worked when I was never able to, let's say, tidy my room or get something done or do a piece of homework. When I was younger, I would just be like, mum, please sit in my room. You can do your work. Like my mum would just be on my, be on her phone, replying to messages and stuff and doing her things. But I would just be like, please sit in my room. And automatically am I able to get a task done? Um, So that's something that's really helped. Um, Also just having someone accountable. I have gone through periods where I rely on different people. So when I'm with my boyfriend and he's around, I'll be like, can you, what should I do next? And he'll almost like prioritize, think about, okay, what's actually really good right now? What is the best thing to do? He'll tell me that and he'll be with me for me to do that task. Um, On the other hand, I now have Alex who's now working with me and she's very much keeping me structured and keeping me organized so I can go to her and be like, what needs to be done? And then she can come to me, this needs to be done. And then I only have one task to do Whereas when I think that I have to do all these tasks, it's like, oh my God, what do I do? I can't decide what needs to be done first. So even if you just like message your best friend or tell them at school and be like, yo, I need some help. Can you try to keep me consistent? And you know, some friends might have the place in themselves to help you with that. Some people will be unorganized themselves and won't be able to do that. So it's just about trial and error and most of all being kind to yourself. There's so many times where I have a massive to-do list and I will just get myself in a whole rut because I can't even start it. Anyways, blah, 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 going on. Number nine, you are attuned to nuances. I can't even say that word, nuances. And this means we are good at picking up the subtle things, whether that's in the environment, in projects, 
or even emotional reactions of those around them. And it said a major characteristic is that highly sensitive people are able to notice things that others may miss. This is one of my biggest things and I'm just going to talk about this straight away. When I was younger, I would pick up on things and it would be little things. For example, my mom always said this story and she was like, I was two years old, three years old, and she would buckle me in to my um, seat thing in the car. And um, the amount of times I go, mom, you're doing this in such an angry way. Why are you doing this? And she would just be so angry at me and she'd be like, oh my God, I'm not, you know, like getting really like, I'm just putting you in your car seat. Why do you have to pick up on things? And it was only until last month and I figured out and I, and I read about this and it was all coming together. I had this massive brainwave. I called my mom and I started pouring with tears and I'll explain it all. But I said, mom, did I have the wrong judgment when I was younger? I just, I, there was a couple of stories that we always have. And I go, for example, you know, when you always say about the car seat and that I was being over, you know, analyzing and everything. I was like, were you actually mad? Were you angry? She goes, yeah, I, I was so stressed out. I was a single mom. I had two kids. I didn't have, there was no father. Um, you know, we lived abroad. There wasn't much money. I, you know, I just wanted to get you in the car and get you to school. But the fact is, is that several times throughout my childhood, in fact, most times, when I would pick up on the subtle emotional reactions of other people, I was told I was wrong. What that did is I, my reality of picking up emotions were being changed. I, in fact, I couldn't trust my own reality. I couldn't, you know, I was grown up. Oh no, although I sense that mum is mad or stressed or my sister hates me right now, there's little things or oh, that person across the room is not, you know, they are not in a good place or all these little things. Because I was told, no, don't be silly or no, that's wrong or not right now and we don't need your opinion. I was just made to think that I was crazy, that I was sensing something that wasn't true. And that's why when I called my mum, I was like, mum, do you realise what's happened? I have completely lost my sense of reality, my sense of judgment. And I'm not saying this all just from this one, you know, story of me in the car seat, but it was true. From such a young age, am I able to, you know, it's that, are you able to read people? Like, I'm able to really pick up on what someone's feeling, which is why when someone's mad at me or someone's got something going on, I can straight away sense it, whether or not I confront it to them or not. um, It's just something that I can feel. So, yeah, I, I never understood that part of me. And I never understood the effect. And I'm going to talk about the effect later on. Just quickly jumping on to the last couple of points so you can get this whole image of what a highly sensitive person um, is told to be. Number 10, you are sensitive to pain. I have a yes and no thing. Um, I haven't had major injuries or even if I have little injuries. Yeah, I'll probably be like, ow, but I've never been one to complain about it. Like, even if I'm going through so much pain, it will be turned down a lot. So that's not necessarily something that I completely feel. Um, But yeah. And then number 11, you are considered thoughtful. Whether you're told that by your friends or your family, um, that's something you have been told or think about yourself. And that's definitely something I resonate with. Like, I am definitely thoughtful. I think, in fact, sometimes the people that are struggling with their mental health, they are so in their head. But I do think there is something to know. There's two different types of almost like thoughtful. And sometimes we're told, love your mind. And, and you know, these thoughts are excellent. And then other times you're told, 
don't let those thoughts come in and it can be quite confusing and what I've learned is there's two types of thoughts there is your thoughts your authentic thoughts you know what does Anna want to do Anna do you want to go on a walk Anna do you want to just chill what do you want to do and then there's the thoughts that you've been almost structured into whether that's a parental voice or your older sibling or um friends or online and most of the time I think it is parental because obviously it's your childhood upbringing and it's that other voice so whether or not your parents always commented on your weight whether or not your parents commented on the fact that you were lazy at school or whether they drilled it into you that when it's you know you must go on a walk every day or like you must do this or whatever sometimes well actually most of the time it's those thoughts that are clouding your own thoughts and we think it's our own thoughts which it's not for example I sometimes when I'm in a rut and I don't know what to do and I feel like I've done nothing in the day and I feel like I've been lazy and unproductive my brain says get up go work and or go on a walk or go to the gym or go do something and it was only until I talked about it to my therapist and I said I don't know what to do. I, I, I get in these moments where I feel so low and I'm so frustrated with myself and my brain keeps telling me that I need to go on a walk or that I need to go to the gym or I need to go do something. I need to get up and work. I need to go be productive. And she goes, is that though what you want and what you feel that your body needs? She'll say, how are you feeling? I go, I'm exhausted. I'm so tired. I had a, I had a massive day yesterday. You know, I'm not feeling well or I'm ill. And she goes, so who's telling you to do those things? And like, I love my mum and everything, but something that she you know part of her personality trait was she always had to be busy whether that was going on a walk going to work going to do anything and I remember at home if I had a morning in bed a sleep in you know if she saw me lying on the sofa in the middle of the day she's like what are you doing why aren't you up why aren't you outside you know and I'm sure it came from a place of love as it does but obviously my impression of it is what that matters my experience of the situation is what matters and that was that I was throughout the years of living at home, was taught that if you're sitting down in the middle of the day, that's wrong. If you're not outside while it's sunny, that's wrong. You know, always be in nature or always, you know, be up doing something and you shouldn't just be relaxing in the middle of the day because, you know, that's bad. And I never thought that I had taken it on until I moved out of home and realised, why can I not just sit on the sofa in the middle of the day? Why do I feel guilty? Why do I... And this is post-recovery. This is me being recovered and me being able to stop exercising. It's more of a why do I feel like I have to go sit outside in the sun or or go on a walk or start working on my laptop? And it's because you have these thoughts and they're not my thoughts. So going on, you know, I've kind of gone on a little path of being thoughtful, but it's a good thing to be thoughtful with your own brain. It's also very good to be aware of where are these other thoughts coming from? Whose intrusive thoughts are these? Because most of the time it's not yours you know, six-year-old Anna or six-year-old you didn't have these expectations and these pressures on themselves. And you know exactly what you want to do. And saying that, it's hard and it's a, it's a journey to be able to listen to your own brain. Something I'm working on. And it is always something that I'm going to repeat that the more work you do on yourself, the lighter you will feel and the easier life will flow. Last one. We are getting there, guys. You work hard to please others. You go to great lengths to avoid upsetting people or making mistakes. And a disruption in your environment, for example, change, can be quite disrupting to your nervous system. I know I definitely resonate with that. People-pleasing has always been a thing, whether that's been through sports when I was younger, you know, always trying to 
please the teachers or my parents or my friends like oh look I can do this with my body or you know I'm able to do this or I'm able to push for things whether that was grades at school whether that's getting a job you know my job influencing which is the term I hate but let's say just posting on social media it's probably one of the most people pleasing jobs you could get my job is literally to please people and so that's where like things like the podcast really lights up a little fire in me because it's not a people-pleasing activity it's not posting a picture where I look good and I'm trying to hit amount of likes it's it's so different from that people-pleasing sector it's more of a sharing and just authentically what Anna wants to do so hopefully now you have an understanding whether you you know relate to some of these things and honestly when I read that first list I was just literally like oh my gosh please tell me more about this subject because I need to know what's going on if I resonate with every single thing on the list or a lot of things now what actually kick-started this research of mine um my therapist sent me a book and she sent me and she goes I think you're finally ready for this book and she goes let me know if it's triggering or let me know how you feel when you read it And the week that I was reading this, and if I'm being honest now, I've actually paused it, and I think I'm about halfway through, maybe even just one third, that's how insightful it was, I was crying all week. So the book is called Eating in the Light of the Moon, and it's about eating disorders and highly sensitive people and and why we have it. Now I want you to be very careful with this book in terms of it will bring up stuff and it will make you emotional um so maybe it's like a future read it was like 20 pounds online but honestly it was 100% worth it I want to share with you guys a little section of the internet that really helped me when I was reading an article about it and it said highly sensitive children can be made to feel like their needs aren't important that their feelings aren't valid and that they shouldn't ask for help as it's a sign of weakness it said imagine being a deeply thoughtful intensely feeling child growing up in a family that is neither. Imagine your intense feelings being ignored or discouraged. Imagine that your thoughtfulness is viewed as a weakness. Now, this was me. I remember, you know, whether there was like an inner frustration within me or whether I felt something or I was going through something, whether or not, you know, my sister really did something to frustrate me and annoy me and literally made me break down inside. Just like a little example, I had a massive phobia when I was younger that you had to be clean to get on my bed like I you have to be showered and in pajamas to lie my bed and my sister used to come in whether she was from the gym or well she wasn't necessarily at the gym those days but out as a child well she wasn't a child she was like 13 14 and she would come in and she would get in my bed to annoy me and it would honestly just think about it now my heart would just it was just something that would frustrate me not even frustrate me but break me down to the core like I'd feel so you know it's that kind of bullying element of like why are you doing something when I've expressed that it hurts so much so that's one thing but then the second thing is I would go to my mum and I would bawl my eyes out and I'd go mum Meg is doing this she's hurting me this is something that I that's something that hurts me you know whatever and she'd go, Anna, come on, like, really, is it a situation? Like, I've told her before, I don't know what else to do. Like, can you sort it between yourselves? It's being stupid now. And it's just, like, these moments of, like, I am coming to you in my most crushed or, like, emotional thing as a child, and you're telling me, 
oh, get over it. it. You know, what are you even crying about? And it's that. And it, and it's just those situations that would make me feel so lost as a child. I really didn't feel understood. Just tiny little things. I almost wish my mum was here and I did almost want to, you know, maybe I could call her. I don't know how that would be. Should I try call her and ask her for any other examples? Because I really want to share with you because all I have is this vague feeling of how I felt. Let's hope she picks up. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Very well. Um, I Are you in a place where I can interview for like five minutes? Sure. So guys, this is my mum. She's on speaker call right now. Um, and I've just basically been talking about me being a highly sensitive child. Now, I've tried to go into some examples, but for me, a quite a lot of it is a blur, and I'm, probably for you as well, but I was just wondering if you had any examples or, or just characteristics of mine that you noticed that maybe I haven't picked up on. I've shared about the whole seatbelt thing, but if there's just anything else that you can almost just give an insight to my people listening, what was going on? How was I as a child and any situations you can think of? Okay. I think the first, you hated it, you got hot very easily. And with hot becomes agitated, doesn't it? So yeah. I picked up quite early on. You didn't need to. It took me a while. We're in a hot, cold climate to start with and put on all the layers and you wouldn't sleep and you'd always woke up thirsty and, and that was quite quite tiring, obviously. But once I picked up, oh, you actually don't. The best, the first time you slept through the night is when we moved to Aruba and you could sleep naked on a on a on an air-conditioned tiled floor. <laughs> That's how hot you must have been inside. <laughs> because that was you could slept, you know, put your water there and you slept. But when you I was layering you up as a mother does in the winter, that was just, you know, that's those are sort of the very earliest examples. Yeah. I don't remember being fussy with food or anything, but just getting upset because yeah because you were over hot yeah guys so that's something definitely that I remember I was very hot and that's just something that I learned I guess I completely forgot now because it's just how I deal with like I drink so much water in the night I'm always drinking water I'm prone to headaches um yeah very hot person and I remember my mum well I don't remember when she struggled with it but I remember just us knowing that that was just a thing for me um and then obviously next part mum noticed that was having to get go to kindergarten and you had to put clothes on <laughs> in a, a tropical climate all you had to put is two sandals didn't I wasn't worried about pants but shorts and a t-shirt but that again maybe because it was the warmth but I think it was more the textures definitely and you did much better wearing a second-hand clothes or somebody else's clothes as in they were soft you didn't like them scratchy, weren't comfortable. You physically, and I remember looking up on the internet, what could this mean, a child that doesn't want to wear clothes? Um, so that was quite challenging. Yeah. I mean, so challenging, I had to pick you up and put you in the car. Yeah, I, I previously just said that there's not one part of me that blames or has fault on you because you just simply couldn't understand. You know, you were, you did everything in your right mind to do, um, but it's more the fact that people couldn't understand necessarily what I was feeling. No, exactly. So then we came back and you had to put tights on and and more clothes on in England. And the fact is when we arrived in England, we didn't have very much. So it was very easy to get clothes that had already been worn. So they were softer for you. So you really, you did, texture did matter as it does with a lot of 
hypersensitive children, but they that can come in a variety of forms, can't it? I looked up um, autism, ADHD. I mean, I looked up everything to see if it, if you slotted into a spectrum. And I think probably we're all in a spectrum of some sort. So that was, um, you know, I remember searching up going, what is up with this? What is because going on with this child? Yeah, I guess I forget about those things. Um, like, it's not just necessarily your emotions. It's more about you know, just things that you can sense and feel. And um, yeah, no, that is a good one. And then what would you say about, yeah, anything else that you have, whether that's like moving on from like the feels and touch of things, uh, more about like if emotions. I my eyes, if I looked at you in a certain way, if I put you in the car seat and you didn't like, I was a bit, you know, if I was a bit in a rush or a bit angst or a bit, you know, grumpy myself or tired. I didn't mean it was anything to do with you, but you picked up on my energy. So if I was feeling, which children do, but you would actually feed back to me, um, thinking, and children are very self-centered. You thought it was meant about you. No, I actually disagree with that. I don't think it was about me. It was more like, mum, you're doing this like this and you're going, no. And I go, well, you are. Not necessarily you're at it at me. So I think that was almost... difference of experiences you thinking that I'm there blaming you and thinking that why you stressed out at me I I don't I don't my experience of the situation was never that my mum is angry with me my mum is stressed with me it's why doesn't why am I not am I am I crazy am am I feeling stuff that I'm not supposed to be feeling am I wrong it was never the fact that you were stressed at me I knew we had a hard life um, so I think that's just interesting for like to ha- even us just have that conversation. Mm-hmm. No, certainly. And um, yeah, p- children pick up when their parents are happy. They know when their parents are happy or when they're relaxed or whether they're enjoying themselves. And I suppose they pick up, you know, also the other things which you're trying to hide. You're trying to hide, you know, money stresses or relationship issues or or the fact that you don't agree with, you know, your partner, their father, whatever. They, they, you're not trying to share all those things and, you, and you're not wanting to put anyone down. So you try to hide them and they come out in different ways. There wasn't as much talk about being on spectrums or having, you know, dip, not sensitive, to, you know, these, these topics are perhaps coming up now. I wasn't aware of it. I was looking things on the internet. I was like, okay, what's you know, what's the best way to deal with it? I did was going to say, you know, I did try different things with you to calm you down, but you know, say sometimes it's just the most simple thing of having a hug, and you know, and sometimes that that was all that you needed. That, uh, and you, yeah. actually, you were very good as you got older. Actually, thinking about it, as you got older, you would say, "Mom, you don't need me to fix it," because you would tell me you're a problem, whatever that issue was. It could be you can't find your clothes to wear, or there was something going on. And I am a natural fixer and I want to give you a solution. You say, Mum, I don't need that. What I need you to do right now is hug me. So you were telling me how to parent me. I often felt that through your life, that you were always thought you were the best guide to parenting when I didn't know whether to get firmer with you as a teenager and put my foot down and tried to be the, the more strict parent. But you we would have conversations. You were always very, very good at these conversations. These, and you would tell me how I needed to handle you. And it was in a very nice way say that what you needed no and that's actually very interesting that you brought that up because it's something that I forgot but like I did like I can feel what I need in certain situations and really evaluate people's responses and communication towards me and so I was able like I literally was telling my mum how to what I need and stuff which I think is so important and what my mum just said at 
you know, how am I, I didn't know what was going on. And this is why if you don't necessarily struggle being a highly sensitive person yourself, you will most likely have someone come into your life that does. And there is absolutely no harm in being the support system and just understanding because again, it's a generational thing. If more people know about this, the more people can just feel a little bit more at ease and maybe don't go down a whole whirlwind of different things and and turn into different things and manifest and be channeled into eating disorders, depression and other things. Um, So yeah, thank you mum for coming on. I think you gave great examples. Hopefully everyone could hear you clearly. Um, but yeah, I love you so much and thank you so much. Of course. Okie dokie. Bye. Love you. Bye. Oh, that was really cute. I'm really glad I got her on. Um, I was going to actually interview her in person the other week, but I wasn't in the right headspace or had the right time to film the episode, but Definitely, you know, I think I should be getting my mum on for a whole episode. Anyways, just summarising, as a child, I had massive tantrums and I was very aware, quick to react with situations, being affected by people's expressions and tone of voice. And then as a result, I was told I was overreacting, labelled as a crybaby or annoying. Like my sister would always be like, oh, you're stupid, you're annoying, why are you crying? And it's almost like I constantly had that voice like in my childhood growing up with my sister always commenting on it whether or not my mum chipped in just because she was stressed but my sister definitely had that effect on me and one thing I want to talk about is the after effect as you're an adult now I love my sister you know she's my sister I love her but I never understood why in our adult lives why we were distant she moved to America when she was 18 and I was around 15. I clearly remember when she moved, it was a breath of fresh air, honestly. And I will say that, and she knows that. And my mum knows that. I was so much more happy and relaxed. I didn't have this like, honestly, on my behalf, and I'm the younger sister, and this is to the older sisters and the younger sisters. So the younger sisters who relate and the older sisters who might be in that position, you have a massive effect on the younger child. I don't, you know, whether or not you think they're spoiled or, you know, I definitely wasn't spoiled, but like, or they got things earlier. Like, that's just the way of life. Things become trending earlier or whatever. And just talking about this emotional stuff, but my sister had that bully side of her and it really, really affected me. Even now, I just feel like I want to cry for younger Anna, just constantly being, you're stupid, you're annoying, you're this, you're that. Why do you get that? Um, you know, if I did something well, I think part of my people-pleasing side came from wanting to please my sister. But it was funny because then I also learned, keep your, um, what's it called, successes quiet because people don't want to hear about it. Because my sister would turn that into that, like, jealousy side and then start getting at me for, like, the wrong thing. I remember I could never do anything good enough for her. And coming from that, what I've noticed is when people or friends have that older sister relationship with me if they fault me in any way and that could be the smallest way in the most loving way I am programmed to have the same response that my sister that had on me so just a quick example Millie like sometimes like we'll have jokes and stuff but when I don't feel like it's a joke and she'll say something whether that's about my meal or about clothing or anything like and I love Millie this is not a dig on her at all and I've talked about this with her by the way 
I couldn't understand why sometimes it would really affect me to the point where I couldn't speak or I felt unheard or I felt bullied. And and it came to the point where when I told her, she was like, oh gosh, no. And I just had to say, look, this is my situation. This is my programming of brain when an older sister type relationship says something, you know, criticizes me, I really take it to heart. So it's just so interesting. And going on to why we are now distant, I felt so much relief when she moved out. And me and my mum kind of thought, you know, yeah, but soon there's gonna be a point where you miss her, right? There's soon gonna be a point where, you know, you're gonna come in contact and you're gonna, you're gonna, because we didn't really text that much. Like we texted now and then about things, but nothing like you would another family member. And I would say a major moment where I realized was when I was 17 and my dad passed away. My sister is obviously the one person that is literally the only person I have in the world that is connected to my dad. I was like, wait, surely when I'm grieving my dad, I'm gonna really want my sister. I'm gonna want her support. I'm gonna want her love. I'm gonna wanna be with her. And, you know, we were together when they passed away and, you know, I always said, love you. And I always said, I'm here for you. And she said the same, but we never really had more conversation or more, I could never really push the needle with our relationship. And then it was when I was 19, I was like, damn, it's been four years since she's moved. Why am I still not missing her? Why am I, why can I not get myself to text her? And then it was until I moved out and I realized, wait, I contact my mum so much. It's not the fact that I don't contact my family. I contact, you know, my mum and, and people a lot when I've moved out. Why am I still not messaging my sister? And it was only until I read something, that, like this article about highly sensitive people. If one of the sisters or siblings or parents, let's say, had a big effect on their emotional upbringing in, you know, whether that's that bully side or that hierarchy, that older sister and, and they're right and whatever goes and they're stronger and bigger and whatever, that, and they have more power over you, that, that you become distant. And when I read that, I was like, you're kidding. Now I know why I physically haven't been able to message her or hold any sort of conversation. I have no, I'm not gonna say no love because I love her. No passion, no want and and it's sad because I know that her actions as a child were caused by pain as well. There's not part of me that goes, oh, Meg, you were stupid and like, not stupid, but like you completely did all this to me. This was my experience. And I think this is a great thing to know within family relationships. It's your experience and it matters. So this was my experience and it matters. Now I know my sister would have been going through a whole nother story. Her dad went away. In fact, my dad left us when I was born. So maybe she attached that. Maybe she said in her mind, you know, as soon as Anna came, as soon as another baby came, my dad walked away because he was happy when, you know, she remember life with she remembers life with him. And she always felt like she had this like deeper connection with him. And I, in fact, grew up thinking that I had less of a connection with my dad. So it's just so interesting, the family dynamics, and there's not one part of me that blames her. But now the fact that I'm able to reflect on that. I'm now able to move forward and be like, ah, so I noticed this. Maybe, I'm not gonna force it yet, but maybe there's a conversation to come between us. Maybe we need to have a more in detail conversation of what was your experience, Meg, of childhood and what was mine and share it with each other and able to empathize with each other. And then maybe from that, we'll be able to talk more and find our passion again. And there's, you know, I know, I always have in this image in my head that we're gonna get close one day and we're gonna have 
children and we're gonna be aunties and I can just see that but yeah honestly at the moment I find it very hard to text a sibling so if that is your situation and if you struggle to really connect with someone that maybe previously in your childhood wasn't the nicest person like there is a reason and it might be because your inner child is scared of them and another thing just saying from that is I remember there was like a turning point when I was like 15 I remember like standing up to her and she couldn't take it like I would you know when you start learning to swear and hold your power and she would say something to me and I'd be like fuck off Meg shut up in like a rude voice like I wasn't a, I wasn't a 10 year old anymore I, I was becoming a teenager and then she would like completely downplay me of like you're so rude you think you're the shit you're so selfish like I remember her telling me my whole life I was so selfish and whatever and it was just funny and then if I think about it now I think one of my major drivings for success and financial freedom is I don't want her to have any power over me because I think the power that she has is that older sister you know she always had the more money she had more clothes she had um she could she could get to my mum probably better like she had she had the car she could drive like she had all these places of power and I think my whole life I've been fighting for those things. So now I know I don't need her, essentially, and I don't, she has no power over me, no financial power, no nothing. Maybe I'm now able to mend our relationship on a loving basis. Wow, that was a brain flow wave. Oh my gosh, I have therapy in six minutes and I'm so not finished with this conversation. I might pause, I might pause. I'm gonna have a snack, I've got six minutes and I'm gonna go to therapy. I'm gonna be pretty wiped out after. So it'll be interesting if you can hear my change of tone so i'm gonna pause you here and i'll i'll be back soon hey guys we are back um it's been about two hours since i left you in that time i literally had therapy it was quite intense yeah and basically next what i want to go on to is how this affected my adult life and really i wasn't able to spot things until i um got closer with my boyfriend um, and spent more time with him. And obviously in a relationship, they reflect a lot and it, it almost shows the side of you. Obviously, as I grew up, I was told, oh, don't cry about those silly things, blah, 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 you're stupid, or that's annoying. And it's only until I'm crying with my boyfriend and I realized how many times I would apologize. And I don't do it now because we've now had lots of discussions between us. And if you listen to episode seven, um, I interview my boyfriend and we talk about how it's like being in a relationship with an emotional person. But something that I had to get over was like, the well, not get over, but understand was the reason why I apologize when I'm crying is because that's, that's what I was taught when I was young. Oh God, Anna, you know, if you're, you're having to confront someone, if you're telling someone or if you're speaking to someone or you're crying or whatever, you've got to say sorry. You've got to say sorry because you've been taught that it's wrong. So it's just interesting maybe for yourself if you're in a position when you open up to someone that, or you cry. So opening up could just literally be talking to someone, whether you apologize, whether you're like, oh, I don't, I don't mean to put this on you. Like, I don't mean to burden you. This is all the stuff I used to say to my boyfriend. Like, oh, I don't really want to talk about myself, but it's like, why not? Well, we know why. We know why this is now a thing. But now you can notice that and realize like, ah, 
So that's almost like younger version of you thinking they need to apologize. But if you put adult brain on or teenager brain on, you realize, wow, why am I saying sorry for crying? Do you know what I mean? Or why am I saying sorry for when I open up to someone or tell my best friend something? It's not like your best friend's gonna feel depressed themselves. You're allowed to open up about stuff. So I just think that's a good thing to take in. Also to know that unexpressed emotion gets channeled into other things. I am 100% certain. You know, I went into a depression stage. I went through an eating disorder stage. I went through an overworking stage. I went through a stage of getting with lots of guys. I went through lots of different stages. I went through a stage of smoking cigarettes every day. If you don't open up these sides of you that I guess you've been instructed your whole life that is wrong, you know, if you leave them to brew, you're, you're going to have an atomic bomb. And, you know, that could be whether you slip into depression or you slip into eating disorder. And I'm not saying it's the one simple, like, thing, but it's just understanding, ah, maybe I should express a little bit more. Because if it's being expressed, like, if you've got an eating disorder, if you've got depression, if you've got some sort of mental thing, you do realise it's not just the fact that you're, you know, if you're depression, it's not the fact that, you got, that you're lazy, if you've got an eating disorder, it's not the fact that you think, oh, you're just big or you're small or, 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 you know, you think food is bad. It's got absolutely nothing to do with your brain, it to do with your body or food. It's got absolutely everything to do with the core beliefs that you have within yourself. And when I say core beliefs, I mean, Anna, me, has a core belief that when she is emotional or picks up on emotional reactions by other people or cries she must be annoying, she must be stupid, she must shut up, she must not let that out. And it's about figuring out what core beliefs you have as a person and knocking them down in a compassionate way. Like being compassionate towards your younger self and then knocking down those core beliefs and almost like turn up for your younger self. Just imagine if younger self was, you know, beating yourself, beating herself up for her body you would be that protective mother, that protective instinct of saying, why are you saying this to yourself? Why are you letting yourself go down this path? And yeah, for me now, I've definitely, well, I've cried more in the last six months than I have cried in the last six years, if that says anything. And to be fair, in terms of what I used to channel my unexpressed emotion was most likely to do with overeating or binging or undereating or starving or overexercising or not exercise, you know, a whole load, you know, the last, I'd say, yeah, six months or whatever, I, more than six months, probably a year since I've binged, but there's just no emotional eating anymore for me. Because when I have a situation, when I have an emotional situation, whether that's to do with Millie, my boyfriend, my mum, my relationship with myself in terms of my job or my body or anything like that I'm able to go ah it's got quite a lot to do with emotions and what can happen is is when you're not aware of that you just you know you can be in your living room you're scrolling on your phone you're feeling a bit in a rut you don't know what's going on and then and then you're like oh I just I need something to eat so you go to the cupboard you have something to eat and then you don't feel you know you don't feel quite satisfied and then you go for more and you go for more or and it's all this stuff and it's the hunger you're trying to satisfy is not actually food hunger it's it's emotional hunger it's it's other emotions 
it's almost we have to go against our belief that opening up is bad and expressing is bad like it's okay if you need to cry every day for six months if that's in your path of processing I'm sure you won't or if you are or whatever maybe therapy and you can put in um, good coping mechanisms and way to regulate yourself but what I'm trying to say is like allow yourself to break down and I nearly got myself in a trap of trying to stop it I think for the last two three months I've been really a lot more emotional and maybe the last couple of weeks I was coming to the point of I think it was just before I went to the festival with my boyfriend I was coming to a verge of if I don't stop this behavior like this is what I was saying to myself if I don't stop this behavior then we're something's gonna have to happen but like how can I not let myself be down for a couple of months feel really really low like actually process shit when I when I've been blocking it in for literally years like 10 years more than that it's so crazy like I we need to start allowing ourselves however much time you need obviously with the right support in place but yeah it's all about my biggest one of my biggest lessons is giving yourself permission give yourself permission to rest and you will rest without guilt give yourself permission to cry and you'll cry without guilt because at the end of the day it's what you know if your body tells you you need to rest or your body tells you you need to cry you need to get that out and the thing that I've also learned is that being really sensitive is actually a really positive element and it adds to your personality for example it makes you really you know I'm quite intuitive and I'm deeply thoughtful and I can really be there for friends and I can understand people and read people and also know whether to like get involved with people my friends have always said like oh well you can really read someone I'm like yeah like hence why I'm friends with you but hence why I'm not friends with another girl or another guy also just being in touch with my intuition but I don't think that's like if you're not a highly sensitive person and I want to kind of maybe rephrase the topic I think just being okay with being sensitive but I think we are all intuitive and I think the more expression that we are with our emotions the more in line we are with our intuition and that's when great things come for example like if Max and I weren't aligned with our intuitions he wouldn't have quit his job and I wouldn't have made the decision to stop living in London and then we wouldn't together would have you know planned to move to Bali and travel the world together and that is like authentic Anna speaking and when I say authentic Anna I mean if your name's Lucy, if your name's Emma, if your name's Rachel, whatever, it's like, what does authentic Rachel want? And it's whatever you truly, truly want. And that's your intuition. So when you get that gut feeling of like, oh, I don't really, really like this job. And like, it's like, listen to that person. Because when you listen to it, you're going to be aligned to do something more that you want to do. I know that with Alex, my new crew no like new team member she's helping me she's going to be like my second brain helping me with like planning my content planning my podcasts getting content out keeping me organized she had to do a really really tricky decision in whether or not to quit her job and if she didn't do that maybe like we're going to Portugal together in a week like how fun is that and I just think the more you are in line with your intuition the better things come getting back on track and with this you know processing allowing yourself to be emotional when I do have a bad day and I've reacted to something I let myself have that time to cry and do something kind for myself instead of being like come on no time for this you've you've got to go to this You've, you've got a meeting or you've got to go to the gym it's like give yourself space um because at the end of the day I know it's very easy to I wouldn't say rely on others but rely on others approval 
of the task, I'm going to say. For example, if my mum said, oh yeah, take the day off, like just relax it down, I probably would, a lot easier than I would give myself. But if I said it to myself, I'd, I'd start questioning it. And like when I've got my boyfriend and he goes, no, it's fine, you can just chill and do that. I'm like, oh, okay, you told me that. But the fact is that we really need to be okay by ourselves, even though, you know, whether you're going to be in a relationship for a long time or you've still got years at home or, you know, whatever your situation is. I think no matter what relationships you have, you need to be able to give yourself the permissions yourself. You've got to be there for yourself. And that's why I learned in therapy today as well. It is genuinely yourself that is going to be there for yourself. Yeah, I'm just going to now cover some last, like, basically effects into the adulthood. You think there's something wrong with you. Um, obviously, highly sensitive children are normal, but it's impossible to internalise that if you're told over and over you're the odd one out. So that's a situation. Um, also, confidence issues, which when I read this, I was like, oh, there we go. There we have it there's the prize. It's no surprise that sensitive children will doubt and undervalue themselves. Now, it says something about emotionally neglectful parents, and it sounds quite strong. It's like, oh god, no, I don't go through abuse. And it's like, no, we're not talking about this. It All it means is that basic not understanding of the emotions, but also the reaction. So, if a child comes to you and cries, what do you do in every situation? Then we've got problems dealing with criticism. And we react strongly to criticism because we were never quite taught how to not do it in the right way, but knowing that we didn't do it in the wrong way. And more importantly, we can't see healthy ways to deal with criticism if we didn't see it modeled at the home itself. So obviously if your parents or siblings aren't highly sensitive and don't know how to deal with that, you're not going to see that representation at home. Next one is overwhelm, crashes or panic. This is definitely something I feel that goes on in my life as well. Just saying how, you know, you get overstimulated by loud or busy environments. Even when like my Nutribullet goes off, I have to like hold my ears in. Otherwise I'm like, it's just weird. Like so many things overwhelm me. Um, If I get hot, like I'm always throwing my jumper to my boyfriend because I just, I go into this like overwhelm. Like I don't actually know how to figure, like my brain goes on like a fog when I'm overstressed. So it's like, he could be like, why do you need to create, not such a fuss, because I don't necessarily create a fuss. I'm just like, I strip down into my t-shirt and and I can't think about anything else or where to put things. Or that's also why when I come home, like I straight away takes my shoes and socks off and I leave it everywhere because I'm just in this like overwhelm from where I've just been. Now it does say that, you know, if you want to help this in a healthy way is to get good self-care routines. So when you come back from situations or if you're in certain situations to know how to handle yourself and what calms you down, which is normally a quiet and safe place. And then it says profound loneliness. When your emotional needs don't matter and no one seems to understand you, you quickly become isolated and may feel alone in the world. This is something that I used to feel. I don't necessarily feel profound loneliness at the moment, especially with Max. Um, But I would say, yeah, uh, quite a lot of my upbringing and childhood and teenagehood, I felt that there's something wrong or no one quite understands the the edge or like the part of my brain that, you know, I, I don't know how to describe it. But yeah, it's just that general feeling of not feeling like you fit in. Then there's inability to ask for help, which we've discussed, like feeling that it's a sign of weakness, which it really, really isn't. 
And then you've got anxiety. So literally when I saw these things, I was like, wow. I had all the signs and symptoms when I was a child. I have all the signs and symptoms as an adult and the effects. I'm like, well, there's now going to be videos and articles and tools to help me work with it instead of against it. For so many times I'd like work against it, but it's like, no, why don't we work with it instead of just being like having to struggle in your situation? So that is why I think whether or not you completely resonate with the highly sensitive person or not, if you are able to just pick things up and be like, oh, this is where I need help, this is where I struggle, I resonate with this and that, it's gonna help you. Wow, that was a longer one. I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, I definitely feel like I needed to get this podcast out. It was brewing up for me in probably the last two, three weeks. And I feel like I have actually covered quite a lot of how I feel, what happened and everything. But once again, I know that there's always times because it's not necessarily like an interviewee podcast, maybe not all questions get answered sometimes. I am more than happy for you guys. Obviously, the Inside Anna's Mind podcast Instagram is there for you to ask questions. Fill up my DMs, fill in all the question boxes, all the comments on the Instagram is even better because then other people, you, you know, when you comment something and you go, wow, yes, or that helped, or this section helped, or I didn't realize that until now. Not only do other people get to relate to me, but they get to relate to, oh my gosh, wow, someone else, like not just Anna, because there are so many more people. And I think that's what people need to start seeing is that there is a lot of people that struggle with certain things. Um, So yeah, if you've got more questions about highly sensitive person, or you want to be like, what about this? You know, I might not have all the answers and I'm never going to answer something I don't know. But then at the same time, when I say answers, I mean my opinion. You know, this is my opinion, my experience. Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Next episode will be recorded in Portugal when I'm on holiday for a week. So that'll be a new environment, new lessons, new learnings, all of that jazz. And I'll see you guys then. Bye.